And once in a while, I would hear the teacher call another student's name out. It's an ethnic name as well. And the student would say, here, but I go by, insert, English nickname. And as a kid, I thought to myself how maybe I should change my name to make things easier. This is the Hello 20s podcast. My name is Yan, and I'm your host. I'm an online content creator trying to navigate life while in my 20s and sprinkling a little knowledge and wisdom here and there. Let's face it, we don't have it all figured out, but we can learn a little from each other along the way. And I'm so glad you guys are tuning in on today's podcast. Hi friends, welcome to this week's episode of Hello 20s. I hope you're doing well and are having a good week so far. In today's episode, I want to talk about the experience of being an immigrant child and the weight one may carry living through this experience. I first want to preface to say that most of what I'll be speaking on in this episode is through my own experience growing up as a Chinese American immigrant child in the United States. So a good part of it will be through my own lens. However, I do know that many people who are immigrants or grew up with immigrant parents and grandparents can relate to the things that I will touch on in this episode. And if you are not an immigrant or don't have immigrant families, I do hope by the end of this episode, it provided you with something to take away with. I was pretty young when my family immigrated to the US. I was about four years old and I still do have some vivid memories of living in China such as going to preschool and playing with my dogs. When I was little, I used to feel lonely in my experience growing up as an immigrant and I wasn't really open or vocal to talking about it because as a kid, especially in elementary school, you knew you were different and all you want to do is fit in. So I would be embarrassed to bring Chinese food to school because it would have a different smell than the American food that was served in the cafeteria. And it wouldn't be just like the Chinese food that you find in Chinese restaurants, right? Like those type of Chinese food. It would be like authentic Chinese food. And it would obviously look different as well. People weren't familiar with it, especially people back then, kids back then. And I didn't want kids to question what I was eating, making fun of me, making faces be talked about. I just wanted to be a wallflower. I hated the first day of school because of roll calls. I would be so anxious as the teacher called out each student's name one by one and I was internally prepping myself to hear all the variations of how one can pronounce my name just to correct them when I was called. So I always appreciated teachers who stood by the door and checked off your name as you entered and asked how to pronounce your name instead of me standing there trying not to cringe as they try to pronounce it. I mean, I know they were trying, but it was just really awkward on my end. Back then, the area where I live was still majority white, but there were still some minorities. And once in a while, I would hear the teacher call another student's name out. It's an ethnic name as well. And the student would say, here, but I go by, insert, English nickname. And as a kid, I thought to myself how maybe I should change my name to make things easier. You know, in elementary school, I actually did have the opportunity to change my name when my dad became a U.S. citizen, which automatically made me a citizen. We did the paperwork to make the changes, and I was so excited to have a name change. 
to have a English name. <laughs> um, and I didn't tell anyone. I wanted the papers to first come and officialize it, and then I would start going by this said English name. And to this day, I thank the stars, I thank whatever intervened with those papers that didn't make it happen. I honestly couldn't tell you why or what happened, but I am so thankful that the name change didn't go through. And when I got my certificate, it had Yon Q on it instead of the English name that I picked out. But anyways, growing up, I spent most days at my uncle's restaurant and went to work with my dad as my parents. They both had to work, so nobody was home. My cousins were there most days as well. And on those days, I had people to play with, to talk to. Other days when they weren't there, I just had to find ways to entertain myself for those long days and nights. I remember one time a customer came in and she saw me reading. And so after she picked up her order, she came back with a box of books. I was probably like seven or eight, but I was really touched because I don't know, I think that was such a sweet gesture um, for her to give me all those books. That was something that I will always remember. Spending a good part of your early childhood at a restaurant growing up made it even harder and lonelier going through the immigrant experience as not a lot of kids could relate. And I was embarrassed that after school, I didn't get to go home. I had to go to work with my dad and stay there until he was done. And although those years were tough, I do look back at some of the moments fondly, such as the nights when my dad and I would ride our bikes back home since the first few years my parents didn't have a car, or the moments I had with my cousins playing hide and seek around the restaurant or walking around the shopping center together, or times when one of my great uncles would give me fried chicken in between cooking. Now, it goes without saying that even if you're not an immigrant, there can still be financial struggles. However, when you immigrate to a new country in search for better opportunities without a higher educational background, with limited to zero knowledge in the language of the foreign country, and you're starting from scratch, you're most likely not going to be rich, and you need to be frugal with the money you do earn. I feel like I finally understand some of the financial pressures my parents had went through when they first started in this country with limited money to their name. As a 26 year old myself, I am around the same age as my mom when she first came here. Starting over with your husband, having a kid to raise, remove and isolated from your home country and family, which means little to no support system, having to figure out a new country with a language barrier, all of that is a lot to carry. And on top of that, needing to pay your bills, trying to save and be thrifty so that you can save enough to one day own a house. If there's anything I've learned from my parents, it's to be smart with your money, to save where you can, and to reuse what you have and not waste money on unnecessary things. So as a kid, I always thought it was weird and embarrassing that my parents would reuse things and make them multifunctional. We can't be wasteful is what I remember hearing growing up. I would see them use certain shipping containers from the restaurant as flower pots. I would see them save jars from used up sauces and refill it with other food condiments that did not match the label. And friends would come over and they would be like, wait, peanut butter is not in here. <laughs> I would see them save every plastic grocery bags to use later as trash bags. And there is so much more, but nowadays we are more aware of recycling and reusing things around the house for multi-purposes so that we don't become wasteful people. 
However, at the time, it felt embarrassing because if I ever went over to a friend's house, their parents did not have any of that laying around. Their houses felt like it was taken straight from an interior design catalog. There's no big pails of soy sauce containers as plant pots in sight. And although I was embarrassed as a kid, now as a young adult, I am grateful to have grown up with that example. You know you've grown up when you are excited to buy things on sale versus paying full price and you finally understand why it made your parents happy. Growing up in an environment where you were taught to be wise with spending money, not overspending on things that aren't necessary, can bring guilt when you are an adult earning your own money. As you start earning your own income and not having the responsibility of raising a family, you have extra money to spare on luxury things. And when I say luxury, I don't just mean luxury brands, but more so spending money on things you enjoy, spending money on your hobbies, going on fun trips, spending extra money when you are out and eating with friends, even dining out as often as you want, and just little things here and there that aren't life necessities. Being able to spend your money like that is considered luxury for a lot of people. There can be this sense of guilt because you were taught the value of a dollar. Instead of just spending money on necessities, you are spending it on things that can add and contribute to your happiness even if it's just temporarily. There's also thriver's guilt where you get to book these trips whenever you want to go. You have opportunities to advance in life. You're healing, growing, and have access to resources that your parents were never given. This guilt comes settling in when you realize you have this kind of life because your parents had sacrificed and worked hard to make it possible for you. And yes, your own hard work landed you those opportunities, but your parents' sacrifice also contributed to it. I first recognized this when I was in university. The fact that I got to attend was already an opportunity both my parents never got. On those nights when I came home with my dad after work, he would always remind me to do well in school so that I could attend university one day. This realization hit me the hardest when I was in college. I started going on trips with friends and that was when I realized what a privilege it was for me to go on these trips while attending university and enjoying myself with my friends in these new places. That guilt came creeping in. How lucky I was to experience life like that. I'm not sure how you resolve this feeling of guilt. I think it will always come and go in your life, especially when you start comparing your life to your parents but you can't let it consume you. If you let it linger and consume you, it takes away the joy you should be experiencing in life. It holds you back from living a fulfilled and purposeful life. And I think that defeats all of that your parents have done because their goal was to provide you a better life where you can be healthy, happy, and prosper. There is an interesting dynamic between immigrant parents and their children, whether they are immigrants themselves or they were born in this country this new country, as I should say. As parents, they are the providers in terms of finances, providing a home and safety and food, but the parent is also sort of dependent on the child as well. If the parents are not fluent in the new language, the children are tasked as the translator and the mediator. The language barrier is also cause as to why most children of immigrants will need to grow up faster compared to their peers. They are the ones responsible for filling out documents, translating paperwork, bills, and conversations, and help guide their parents in this new world. This type of shift in the 
parent-child relationship can put a lot of strain and stress on a child and at times it exposes them to family struggles that other children may be shielded from. Nowadays, however, with technology and awareness, there is a lot more places that offer documents in multiple languages and have translators on the line if needed, but it's also important to recognize that even if there are these resources available to help lessen the burden, this still occurs and it's a lot to put on the children. Some immigrants may not be aware or informed about the resources that could help them and other times there may not be documents translated in their language or translators that speak their language. So be kind and patient if you find yourself interacting with those in this situation. Children of immigrants, whether first or second generation, all deal with some sort of language barrier, generational gaps, or cultural divides within the family. All of this leads to an identity crisis. And I think I mentioned earlier how as a young child, most of us just want to fit in. So we disassociate with our culture and our roots in order to fit in with the world outside of our home. And as we become young adults, we start to lose this sense of identity. You disassociate for so long, you forget your roots. And I'll use myself as an example. As I become a young adult, I start to realize I'm not fully American, or at least some may not see me as American, but at the same time, I'm not fully Chinese either. Especially if I go back to China, I'm essentially a foreigner. It's definitely an interesting topic that I haven't fully delved into yet, so I don't feel ready to speak on it, but I know there's a lot of children of immigrants that feel the same way, especially first-generation immigrants who have left their birth country. They're considered 1.5 generation. The 1.5 generation is usually considered those who are children or adolescents who were born in a different country and immigrated to a new country. Their experience is definitely different than those who are first generation or second generation. First generation are usually considered adults who have immigrated to a new country and second generations are those who were born in the new country from immigrant parents. I know every parent has their way of thought and teaching. Some immigrant parents do not want to teach their children their native tongue because they hope their children can grow up and assimilate to ensure their children are never looked at differently. Others do teach their children their native tongue and culture so that the children could speak to the parents and were aware of their roots. I grew up with a dad that always told me to never forget how to speak Chinese and my identity as Chinese. Every time I would cry about studying for Chinese school and Chinese tests, he would just tell me, Yan, this may not be something you are grateful for today, but to know another language and to be able to speak Chinese to other Chinese people is something that you will be grateful for and will value later on in life. And now, I am grateful for my parents providing me that education to learn Chinese. Language is such a special thing because when you are able to speak a different language between you and someone else, there's this special bond and connection that is there. And as I get older and become more curious about my roots, the ability to speak the language has been beneficial in different ways, but mainly connecting me with those who are from China, connecting me with other first-generation immigrants who are elders and they can't speak English fluently.
As I discover more about my parents' homeland and history, it gives me a lot of appreciation for who they are and what they've done for me and my siblings. I've come to understand my parents a lot more as well. A lot of the things that they did didn't make sense at the time when I was little, but now that I'm looking back, I see it in a different perspective with the knowledge that I am aware of now. I know that in the Asian community, words of affirmation is not the primary way to show love and affection, which is very different from American culture. I've learned that acts of service is my parents' way of showing love and affection, as I believe most Asian families are similar in this sense. So as an adult, learning about these things and becoming aware of it, when I look back, I realize just how much love my parents have given me. I know some of you will relate to this and know what I'm talking about when I say they love you by bringing peel fruit into your room. As a kid, I didn't know that that was their way of telling me they love me. I just thought they wanted me to eat fruit. And as a kid, sometimes I would be so annoyed that they would bring me fruit in even if I wasn't hungry. But that was their subtle way of telling me they love me every single day. By understanding that your parents are often doing the best they can with what they know and were taught really puts some humanness to the way we look up to our parents and give them grace. They have fears and weren't given a manual on how to uproot your life and raise a family in a foreign country. I think it's pretty amazing for someone to move to a new country where the primary language is not your native tongue. I know that there are still people out there, in this case the United States, who will tell immigrants to speak English. And I hope that they take a second to recognize that even though these immigrants can't speak eloquently fluent English, they are actually very smart people. To be able to speak two languages is something a lot of people, a lot of Americans, can't do. Luckily, the area I live in has become a lot more diverse and a lot more culturally aware. I look at my younger siblings and it makes me happy knowing that kids at school are more knowledgeable, more aware, accepting, and even curious about other cultures. Children of immigrants definitely grew up with a different experience than those who aren't. The weight that they carry to help their family are baggages they may still carry with them through adulthood. They are sharing their stories and finding communities of those with similar life experiences. By sharing their stories, they are shedding light on important topics related to immigrants and their children, such as mental health, experience with prejudice and racism, the loss of identity, the search for identity, myths of the model minority, poverty, and much more. As the immigrant community continues to grow, sometimes it's easy to spot out who just started their chapter here. Some are old and some are young, but all just want to be able to provide a better life for themselves and their family some way, somehow. And so it's their resilience and sacrifice that is so admirable to leave behind what they've known and are familiar with, to do what they can so that their children can live a life where they don't struggle the way that they did and their kids have choices and opportunities that they didn't get. I think it's knowing that their kids will ultimately live a better life than them is what they believe is really worth the sacrifice at the end. Ultimately, it's the selflessness of being a parent 
And perhaps I'll fully understand this level of sacrifice and unconditional love when I become a parent myself. So I want to leave you with this tweet I read two years ago. Not only has it stuck with me, but it changed the way that I see the parent-child dynamic within immigrant families. This tweet is from Bo Wren and it reads, My parents were tasked with the job of survival and I with self-actualization. The immigrant generational gap is real. What a luxury it is to search for purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. I think it's a good reminder that immigrant parents pursued stability and security, whereas the children of immigrants have the privilege to pursue passion and happiness. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was definitely a different one, but I wanted to share my experience, and hopefully some of you all who are listening will relate to this and feel seen. I want to end it with dedicating this episode to my parents and all the immigrants who are out there. I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye! Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hello 20s. Let's get connected and continue our conversation over on social media. The links are in the show notes so you're only one click away. I hope to see you there and I'll talk to you guys in my next episode.